0: Well good morning everyone it's good to be able to join with all of you this morning we realize that we're all coming into this worship service today after the first full week of the second lockdown and we hope and pray that that week has been okay for you we also hope you'll be blessed and encouraged as we reflect on God's word and worship him we're also going to be sharing communion this morning so If you haven't done so already this might be a good time for you to prepare some bread and have some juice or wine on hand and we'll begin our service in just a moment after this week's SBC News.
1: Hello and welcome to this week's SBC News. I'm Peter.
2: And I'm Dawn. It's lovely to be able to talk to you without our masks on.
1: This Advent, would you like to join us in doing a reverse Advent calendar? For the past few years, Paul and Sarah have been adding one item to a box every day, and then on Christmas Eve, they have delivered the box to St Francis Church, who then give this to a family in need. Would you be up to joining? Paul and Sarah have a list of items they need, including some Christmas treats. For more information, please contact Paul and Sarah Burns. Details in the church directory.
2: Tony Wilkins is planning to take part in an organised sleep out, which involves him spending a night in their small garden shed to raise money for Crawley Open House, a wonderful charity devoted to helping the homeless and disadvantaged, many of whom sleep rough. The centre provides beds food and many forms of help he would love you to sponsor him his target is one thousand pounds for details google just giving and search for anthony wilkins sleep out at home page the action takes place on the night of november the 20th
1: and on tuesday november the 10th at seven o'clock trevor will be bringing the gospel reflection on Mark, Chapter 4, verses 21 to 25, Measure for Measure. And on Thursday, 12th of November, please join us for the next episode of SBC Chat with Martin and Teresa.
2: A sure sign that Christmas is not too far away is when the December-January Insight is being prepared. If you wish to have an item included, please send it no later than the deadline. Wednesday the 18th of November to the email on the screen now or ring Eleanor. See the directory. Regretfully, late articles cannot be included. Also, don't forget, as we are unable to exchange Christmas cards at SBC this year, you can send one short message to everyone, which will be added to a page of greetings into the December-January Insight Edition.
1: And finally, church members, please note that our November church meeting, which includes the AGM, will take place online via Zoom tomorrow night, starting at 7.30. This This has been been SBC News. God bless.
2: going to be singing, I will sing of your love forever. Does anybody out there just love the Lord so much that they just want to sing about his love? Um, Let's join together at this time and let him know that we know that he loves us so much. Enjoy your time today of worship in singing as God takes pleasure.
3: reading this morning is Romans 8, verses 1 to 17. Therefore, there is now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus, because through Christ Jesus the law of the Spirit of life set me free from the law of sin and death. For what the law was powerless to do, in that it was weakened by the sinful nature, God did by sending his own Son in the likeness of sinful man, to be a sin offering. And so he condemned sin in sinful man, in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us, who do not live according to the sinful nature, but according to the Spirit. Those who live according to the sinful nature have their minds set on what that nature desires, You, however, are controlled not by the sinful nature, but by the Spirit, if the Spirit of God lives in you. And if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to Christ. But as Christ is in you, your body is dead because of sin, yet your spirit is alive because of righteousness. And if the Spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead is living in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his Spirit who lives in you. Therefore, brothers, we have an obligation, but it is not to the sinful nature to live according to it. For if you live according to the sinful nature, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the misdeeds of the body, you will live. Because there are Because those who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. For you did not receive a spirit that makes you a slave again to fear. But you received the spirit of sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Now, if we are children, then we are heirs, heirs of God and co-heirs with Christ if indeed we share in his sufferings, in order that we may also share in his glory.
0: Well, thank you, Jacqueline, for bringing us that reading. What a wonderful, a breathtaking and uplifting vision of the difference Jesus makes, of the freedom which we are invited to enter into when we are called into relationship with Jesus. I want us to take time to explore this freedom this morning. and just how great a difference it makes how it's almost like stepping from one country into another and as we'll see later on i think that reading between the lines that's exactly the image Paul is using here and yet here's the thing have you ever noticed how the things said just long ago or the habits we picked up or the assumptions and attitudes which were impressed upon us, the things we were taught to believe about ourselves long ago, maybe even as children, they go very deep. They are hard to shake off. There are some occasions when I will pick up a book of theology written by someone with progressive ideas, or I will watch a game of football on a Sunday, uh, or enjoy a glass of wine, and from somewhere unexpectedly i will feel as if i need to look over my shoulder because someone somewhere is disapproving of me and i find myself thinking that it's almost 30 years since i moved away from northern ireland and my roots uh, in a place with very different values and attitudes and yet they still hold such a grip on me i think i've moved on but then there are moments like this which catch me unawares it reminds me of a story which i remember reading several years ago about differences in behaviors and attitudes which people in germany used to notice about each other even long after the fall of the berlin wall and the reunification of the country it's been said that those who used to live in the east in the part of the country which used to be under communist rule are still wary of those who have lived all of their lives with the capitalism of the West. They feel those people look down on them, they regard them as brash and they feel they're not taken seriously by them. And the same writer spoke of how those in the West still regard the Eastern Germans as people who are a bit old-fashioned, a bit set in their ways, their dress, their hairstyles seem dated, In fact, they have an expression when they talk about these attitudes. They call it die Mauer im Kopf in Germany, or the wall in the head. But do you see what they're saying? The Berlin Wall may have come down. The physical structure, which divided the two nations, may have been removed. But there's still a block. There's still something which holds people back. And you might want to hold on to that image as we reflect on this reading we had from the first half of Romans 8. Here we find Paul speaking about the huge difference which Jesus makes in the lives of those who follow him. We could spend a whole month of Sundays unpacking this passage and all that it teaches us about the incredible difference Jesus makes. But for me, the big word which stands out, as I consider what Paul is saying, is freedom. Or wants these early believers in Rome to know that Christ has set them free. And these words he has written down, they, they come out to us as well, and they offer us the same great message of hope and encouragement about the deliverance which Jesus makes possible. There are times when all of us struggle to really understand and accept that freedom and the full difference it makes in our lives. But all I want to do this morning is encourage you to know, really know and own and take on board that whatever doubts you may have in your head or your heart at times, whatever imposter syndrome you might feel, whatever pressure or expectations which others might want to load onto you, you are free. And I want to say three things about that freedom which i see paul saying to the romans and which i think he's saying to us as well firstly i want to encourage you to remember this morning that you're free so don't feel condemned it's important as we read these words especially the opening verses of the chapter to remember the context their place in the letter The fact that they follow on directly from those other famous things written by Paul in chapter 7. He's talked there about the struggle he has with sin in his life. The times when sin seems to exert a gravitational, a downward pull. And he finds himself doing the things he doesn't want to do. He describes himself at one point as a prisoner of the law of sin at work within me. And any one of us with a scrap of self-awareness will know what he's talking about we will be aware of the feeling we have of being trapped in a cycle of failure and we can't break that cycle ourselves but paul announces to us here that jesus breaks it for us do you remember what he says at the beginning of this chapter therefore there is now no condemnation for those who are in christ jesus because through Christ Jesus, the law of the Spirit who gives life has set you free from the law of sin and death. Think back to some of the earlier chapters of Romans we've studied in recent weeks, some of that courtroom imagery which we've come across. And here we find Paul reminding us that, irrespective of the guilty verdict, which has been announced because of sin, Still, God tells us we can go free. Still, we find ourselves in a place where there is no more condemnation. We are free. We are liberated. And As we read on to the next few verses, we find Paul explaining more about how this has happened. And you know, please listen carefully to what he says here. For What the law was powerless to do, because it was weakened by the flesh... God did by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh to be a sinful offering. And so he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements of the law might be fully met in us. You do not live according to the flesh, but according to the spirit. I mean let's pause to digest, to really take on board what is spoken of here. God is not in the business of condemning you. He wants to set you free. He wants you to hear his word to you that you are no longer held in the grip of sin. But I also think it's important to note that Paul doesn't speak here of God condemning Jesus. Paul is not saying that Paul that, that, that God was determined to punish someone to deal with the problem of sin and so he punished Jesus. Uh, As Tom Wright, the great New Testament scholar points out, God condemned sin in the flesh of Jesus. But that is completely different to saying he condemned Jesus. What God is in the business of condemning is sin. God has defeated sin. God has broken the power of sin to be destructive in our lives and in the world. God has defeated sin in the flesh. One of the things we see in this passage is how there are so many contrasts made. There's a choice before us of death or life, of freedom or condemnation. I also think there's a choice presented to us here between living in the flesh and living in the spirit. I think this is Paul's way of saying that how we get to this place of freedom is to live in the power of the Spirit of God, to open ourselves up to how he can change us and transform us. None of this is, is on us. None of this is about us looking in the mirror each morning and geeing ourselves up and resolving by willpower to be better for God. That just takes us back to the old world of trying to do things in our own efforts, and we can't do it. But God says, don't try to. You don't have to. I offer you my spirit. I offer you forgiveness. That's how to get to the place of not being condemned. And I also think it's important again to think about these words in light of all the divisions we thought about during this series on Romans. Think again about the strong and the weak. Think about Phoebe reading out her letter. It may well have been that there are were people in this church in Rome who felt condemned by some of the brothers and sisters who are demanding that they continue to live within all the demands of the law. That's another aspect of this passage you might want to reflect on. And and just as Paul doesn't want anyone condemned by whatever baggage they have from their past, nor should church be a place where anyone condemns anyone else because of demands that they impose, which are are law-like, which are non-gospel. You're not condemned. Don't let your past condemn you. Don't let anyone else condemn you because God says you're free. There's a second message which comes through for me as I read this passage as well. And it's this. I think Paul is saying also, you're free, so don't go back to a life of slavery. And I'm thinking especially about the words which we find in the first half of verse 15. The spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. When I read this verse, it takes me back again to that idea of stepping from one country into another. I can't help but think that Paul has in mind one of the defining key moments of Jewish history. Do you remember the story of the slaves? Uh, who go from uh, slavery to being delivered out of Egypt and who eventually make it through to the promised land. And yet if we go back and look at the details of that story, you'll remember it wasn't an easy transition. There were times when the people hankered after the familiarity of Egypt. Even if it wasn't a place of freedom, it was it was a place that felt like home to them. And I find it very telling that Paul talks about being slaves to fear. If, if we're honest, to step out into the freedom God calls us to can feel scary at times, and it can be tempting to want to go back to what feels safe and unfamiliar. I wonder if that was why some of these early Christians in Rome struggled to move on from a life where the details and regulations of the law ruled what they did. When things are black and white and it's all clear what you can or can't do, when everything is buttoned down, that can give you a sense of being in charge. But actually there will also be the fear that comes from knowing that you can keep every rule and you can't control every consequence. And deep down it won't bring you the security you long for. You will be stifled, even if you don't care to admit it. To, To live as a slave of fear is to live. A very limited life a very small life and it's not what god wants for you for disciples of jesus and that brings me just briefly to the third thing i hear god saying to you and me as we read these words you're free and you're adopted and part of the family of god Remember those next words of Paul, which we find in verse 15. He talks about how we're not to be slaves to fear. And then he says this. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The spirit himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. This is one of the other things which I think is so crucial for us to grasp as we reflect on this letter to the Romans. You know, at times, some of the language Paul uses here feels very legal. It's like courtroom language of being found guilty and set free. But we also find here these images which have to do with family and love and relationship. God is not just the one who wants to tell you that you are legally free. He loves you. And he wants to tell you as well that you're his child. He is like the father who scars the horizon, hoping to catch a glimpse of a prodigal son or daughter coming home, and then he runs towards them and, with arms of welcome and embrace, gathers them in. And it's this sense of knowing who we are, of knowing we're loved, something we experience is real. Because of the presence of the spirit enabling us to come to God and share our hearts with him in the most tender and intimate ways that Paul wants to communicate as well you're free Paul says to the Romans not condemned not slaves no need to fear you're free he says this as well to live as if you're free enjoy your freedom in God enjoy the security that is so different to being fearful And that comes from being loved, so loved by Father God. Time's almost gone, but I want to finish by reading again from verses 15 and 16, and this time in the beautiful and evocative paraphrase, which is brought to us by Eugene Peterson in his translation, The Message. Here's how he renders these verses. The resurrection life you receive from God. It's not a timid grave-tending life. It's adventurously expectant, greeting God with a childlike, "What's next, Papa?" God's spirit touches our spirits and confirms who we really are. We know who He is, and we know who we are. Father and children. Isn't that beautiful? And I pray you would know the freedom of that adventure and expectancy of living in that place and not some other place. I pray you would know who he is and who you are. Father and dearly loved child. Amen.
2: We're about to have communion and before we eat and drink of of the body of Christ, let us spend some time asking God to forgive us of our sins, asking Him to cleanse us and make us whole before Him.
0: Friends, as we prepare now to share this meal uh, together around this table, let's pause and remind ourselves of what we do and why we do it. Last week, Rob and Joe led us so thoughtfully and creatively as we reflected on Romans 5 and also what it means to be people who remember and as we look back on their service and the things we do to help us remember, we now come to this meal, a meal we share in response to a commandment first given by our Lord Jesus Christ himself, Jesus who said, do this in remembrance of me so we come. We come to have our memories sharpened, our minds focused, our perspective on the world recalibrated. And as we come to the table, we also remind ourselves of our status before God made possible because of the death and resurrection we remember. Listen once more to the words of Paul at the beginning of Romans 8 as they are translated for us by Eugene Peterson. With the arrival of jesus the messiah that fateful dilemma is resolved those who enter into christ's being here for us no longer have to live under a continuous low-lying black cloud a new power is in operation the spirit of life in christ like a strong wind has magnificently cleared the air, freeing you from a faded lifetime of Brutal tyranny at the hands of sin and death. So we come to this table thankful for our freedom, thankful for the welcome which awaits, for the grace which makes it possible to begin again. And we recognise that each of us comes from a different week in a different place. We confess that some of us need to be humbled here at the table because... We've relied and got by in our own strength. We confess that some of us need to be lifted up because we feel very low by all kinds of worries and problems. We acknowledge that we all come needing the mercy and forgiveness of God and needing our faith to be strengthened. And we can come confident of that. We we bring no confidence in ourselves. But here is a place where our confidence in God will be strengthened because he promises to meet us here. Jesus comes to us now, Jesus gentle healer and the man of scars, Jesus who suffered and rose again. Jesus comes to us now in bread and wine. And as we prepare, let's take a moment to pause and confess we recognise the need to bring before God the many ways in which we've fallen short in recent days. The things we've done or said which have wounded or hurt others. The things we failed to say or to which would have helped or brought healing. We pause silently and we name this before God and we say sorry. then we listen to these words which assure us of forgiveness spoken by the apostle paul when he wrote to timothy here is a trustworthy saying that deserves full acceptance christ jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom i am the worst so now we come to the table and as we do let's remind ourselves again of the words of institution Of this meal found in first corinthians 11 and again i'm reading to you from the message translation let me go over with you again exactly what goes on in the lord's supper and why it is so centrally important i receive my instructions from the master himself and pass them on to you the master jesus on the night of his betrayal took bread and having given thanks He broke it and said this is my body broken for you do this to remember me and after supper he did the same thing with the cup this cup is my blood my new covenant with you each time you drink this cup remember me what you must solemnly realize is that every time you eat this bread and every time you drink this cup, you reenact in your words and actions the death of his master. You will be drawn back to this meal again and again until the master returns. You must never let familiarity breed contempt. So let's give thanks. Let's pray a prayer of thanks now, as Jesus did. God of love and mercy, once again, we find ourselves at this simple meal, but in awe of your grace and kindness, which is beyond our understanding and beyond our expression. And we've spoken again today of freedom, which we delight in. We thank you that your death and resurrection is is more than just an expression of your love and mercy, but they have changed things. That the world is different now, The freedom and hope and new possibilities ultimately, your new rule, your kingdom come are made possible because of that cross and that empty tomb. And as we look again at this bread and wine, we are reminded of the cost borne by you, the price paid, your body broken, your bloodshed. Words alone are not adequately enough. <laughs> To say thank you. We acknowledge that the only response we can properly make to your sacrifices. A resolve to be living sacrifices ourselves. And so as you offered yourself on that cross for us. At this moment we now offer ourselves back to you. Amen. So now we come to eat and drink. Firstly, we take and we eat. Jesus said, this is my body, broken for you. Do this to remember me. then he did the same thing afterwards with the cup. This cup is my blood, my new covenant with you. Each time you drink this cup, remember me. So we drink and we agree not to forget. And now, having tasted and touched, having eaten and drunk, we we can't just go. We take this moment to pause and to pray for our world uh, and our church. And uh, we want to give thanks, first of all, for the wonderful news about a COVID vaccine this week and all the hope and potential it offers of some kind of return to normal life by the spring God we pray give more success to those developing these drugs and making plans to manufacture them and then roll them out and store them and distribute them but we also recognise that this this does not change things overnight that still the reality right now is that many people are seriously ill with COVID please be near to them and be their healer please be with those who grieve and who mourn, please be with those who are missing a loved one, a loved one gone recently, and for whom all of this talk of vaccines and hope is rubbing salt into open and raw wounds. Comfort them, we pray. And please also be with those who are still in the front line, those still in intensive care wards, those still taking calls, those still offering advice on the front line of the battle against this disease please be with our leaders as well still with hard decisions to make as they seek to lead our country forward through this crisis and we want to pray for our church as well as our world we just want to commit to you that meeting which is going to take place tomorrow night our agm Uh, As we come together in this unusual way, as so much feels unusual, as we meet online, on Zoom, we pray the technology would work, the things would run smoothly. But more than that, Spirit, we pray, be with us. Jesus, we pray, be Lord of your church and Lord of that meeting and Lord of our decisions. We pray especially for our deacons and for those who have been willing to stand to be nominated for that role and as we come to elect and choose would you overrule spirit would you have your way may we feel a sense of agreement a sense that you have been with us tomorrow night and that the choices we have made are in line with the choices you want us to make and we close my god of grace You've called us to be your disciple people and gathered us to your table. And here we have tasted the bread of heaven and shared the new one of your kingdom. Empower us by your spirit that we may be a gospel people. Good news for all the world. Through Jesus Christ, our Lord. thank you again for joining us hope and pray that you have been helped and encouraged by our service this morning and i hope as well that you can join us in a few moments in the foyer it would be great to see you there and to carry on in our conversation about this morning's service if you have questions on romans 8 or reflections on the passage we can talk about them there and don't forget about the ask the ministers podcast that's another way that you can ask us a question about recent sermons or anything else uh, about the Bible uh, and faith, which is on your mind. And now can I pray a blessing for you as you look ahead to whatever the coming week holds. I pray my friends that you would know today and in the coming days, the fullness of the freedom which is yours because of what our gracious God has done in Jesus. You're not condemned. So I pray you can walk tall and confident in that freedom. You're not a slave anymore. So I pray that nothing will make you afraid. But you are a child now, loved and cherished by Father God. May you know the freedom of secure and safe relationship with the one you can call Abba. Amen. Bye for now, friends, and I'll see you soon.